0: Hello, and welcome to the Green Leads Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. I'm really excited about today's episode because we are, for the first time, venturing outside of the world of nutrition. Since many of you are everyday endurance athletes or competitive endurance athletes, I wanted to bring on some guests that can talk about the fitness side of things. And today's guest, the interview was so, so, so good. (laughs) It, may, it motivated me to want to go work out immediately afterwards. You guys are going to love it. I have on Taylor Thomas of Thomas Endurance Coaching. He is the founder of that. He is also the host of a popular podcast called Endurance Minded. So he is a coach and his passion is ensuring that athletes have the tools, knowledge, and relationships they need to pursue their goals. In this episode, we talked a lot about the motivation and finding your why behind endurance activity. I asked him questions about the mental and psychological side of endurance sports, why some people are motivated to push themselves, suggestions for dealing with burnout, how athletes can manage the mental side of injuries and having to take long periods of time off, and tips for translating mental fortitude that you learn through endurance sports into your everyday life. I loved this so, so much because it wasn't just about the nitty gritty of training. It wasn't about logging miles. It wasn't about strength training. It wasn't about things that we do in the gym. It was more so about how you can use your mind and your mental fortitude to really enhance your skills as an athlete. Seriously, this was such a motivating conversation. I'm really excited for you to listen to it. But before we jump in, I'm going to remind you to subscribe, rate, review, send me a message. If you have feedback or you want to hear different topics, I'm at greenleets on Instagram, or you can email me podcast at greenleets.com. So let's jump into that conversation. Hi, Taylor. Thanks so much for joining the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat.
0: I'm excited to chat too, and I just wanted to start out by talking about your career journey and what got you into coaching.
1: Yeah, um, it's been a it's been a it's been a journey for sure. Um, I think you know it's it probably not too uncommon uh, or different from from a lot of people in in the space, uh, kind of the endurance sports industry. Um, it, it it originally came from or started with just kind of my involvement in endurance sports. Um, uh, I've been an athlete my entire life, um, ran um, cross country and, you know, middle school and high school and um, started to uh, to try to run a little faster and uh, got really involved in the marathon distance um, in college. Um that progressed into uh, a brief foray into triathlon, which led me to, to cycling. I realized I was a little stronger at that, um, than, uh, than the running side of things or the multi-sport side of things. So, um, raced, uh, raced bikes, uh, professionally for a number of years. And in that time period, um, really was interested or became interested in, in the kind of, you know, science and art and um, and philosophy of, of coaching and helping athletes reach their full potential. And that was, um, um, I don't know, that was 15 years ago and, and the rest is history. I, I founded, um, a coaching company, uh, called TEC. Um, and that grew from, from just me to now a global network of coaches and, um, nutrition experts and, uh, and yeah, so we work with athletes now and, um, um, over three dozen different countries. Um, and we specialize in working remotely with those athletes so that location isn't a barrier to, you know, helping them find a a coach or put together a team that, um, allows them to reach their full potential.
0: That's really cool. So you were set up perfectly for a pandemic to hit essentially is what you're
1: saying. (laughs) Yeah, we were the joke. Yeah. The, the internal joke with our team is that we didn't miss a beat. You know, everybody else was kind of struggling or, or not, you know, or, or pivoting to figure out how to, uh, how to work from home or, you know, what that balance was going to look like. And we were, we were already doing that and, and have been doing that now for really, we've been exclusively remote more or less for, you know, a decade probably. So, um, that, uh, yeah, we, we were, uh, we, you know, obviously that was a, it's been horrible and, and, uh, disruptive in so many ways for us as well, but yeah, from a workflow perspective, we were, uh, we, uh, we didn't miss a beat.
0: I love it. 10 steps ahead. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> what I like about what you do is you talk a lot about the mental side of sports. So I just want to kind of jump in by asking you, why do you think, uh, mental and psychological side of endurance sports is so important?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I, it, it stems from, stems from a lot of different places. Um, It, it it stems from my personal experience and kind of the ultra distance space when, when naturally you, you are pushing yourself to a point where the, the body is going to fall away and you really have to rely on your kind of mental and emotional capacities to, to navigate the, uh, the inevitable, you know, highs and lows of, of really pushing yourself, um, to, to the limit and whatever, you know, and that's a sliding scale, whatever that is for, for any individual could be a, you know, 5k or, you know, could be a hundred miles or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I think, you know, that, that, that's always really interested me in just putting myself, uh, in that position to, to understand what I'm capable of. But, then, from a coaching perspective, and and you know my career as uh, as as a coach, um, it's it, the so often what I've what I've realized over my career is that what limits individuals, um, or more specifically, what limits athletes is so often not their training. Right. So when we think about athletes, and we think about coaches, and you know, in my world, when we think about that relationship, so often—and um, this is not a bad thing—but so often we think about a training plan. We think about the prescriptive execution of um, of preparing our bodies for the demands of a particular discipline or or a particular goal. Um, and that's important. You, you have to do. There is a training component. Um, and but but so often, again. That part, if you have a team in place, if you, you know, are getting, if, you, if you're approaching it appropriately for um, for you as an individual, that part tends to go fairly well. And then inevitably, though, there's still so many athletes that fall short of their goals. And what I've found over, over the many years is that that is that mental, emotional piece. And it's because we oftentimes haven't taken the time to develop the skills and to think through and to think thoroughly about what those, what that toolbox needs to look like for, for us as, as individual athletes. And it's very different for very, for different people. So I think that's it, at its core uh, probably why I'm drawn to have those conversations is because I think they're, they're underrepresented um, and they have such, a massive impact on an athlete's ability to remain um, excited about their sport, to remain sustainable um, in their sport, to really be, you know, lifelong athletes, which is something that I'm really passionate about helping people build. Um, So, yeah, you know, again, the training piece is critical, but so often that's not the thing that keeps us from our goals. And I think the more we can understand the weight of the mental and emotional components, the more we can really start to build or put together a, a really robust toolbox that helps us reach our goals and, and helps us be excited about them and feel balanced. And and so yeah, I think it's it's really important. But it's it's a hard. It can be uncomfortable to talk about. So so we we don't do it as much maybe as we we should or or you know would even like to.
0: I've experienced it firsthand. I mean, the first time I ran a marathon, I am—I'm I'm a Type A person, so I downloaded a training plan. Clearly, I had my nutrition, you know, figured out as a dietitian. But hit mile twenty still hit the wall, and it was all mental. I mean, of course, my legs were, you know, not feeling great, but it was mostly mental. Of like, oh my God, can I do this? Because <laughs> I, right. I didn't think about it ahead of time. How that much that plays into how you push yourself in the end, I, I guess. I kind of knew that there, there may be that moment, but I feel like you don't know until you experience that moment. So how do you prepare athletes for, I guess, that kind of moment?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's certainly so much of pushing yourself is, is the act of actually pushing yourself, you know, to know what you, how you respond and what that looks and feels like. But that being said, I do think there's a lot of work and there's, there's often a lot of steps that, that athletes um, will kind of bypass at the, at the onset of their goal setting process that um, can be really important and, and really pivotal in how we handle those moments. There's a few things um, specifically one is I like to discuss um, we talk about goals a lot, right? And, and those are typically from an athletic perspective. Those are outcome-based goals, right? That's a that's the marathon you're talking about. That's a race we signed up for. That's a particular distance that we'd like to accomplish. Um, those are those are fantastic, but they're you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of process. Um, that leads up to that. So, so we first want to think about that process. And I like to work with athletes or encourage athletes to think about their process and performance goals um, on in route to their outcome-based goals. So, so that really helps us understand our roadmap uh, and it also helps us understand kind of our benchmarks and what that does specifically for the mental side of things is it provides opportunities to push ourselves um, so that it's not a surprise on on race day. Right. So we set up um, you know, waypoints along the way and we understand what those are gonna look and feel like. We've defined them at the onset. So there's no surprises. Um, and we have a firm grasp of what that's gonna, what that's gonna how that's gonna play out for the next, you know, say six or eight months. Um, and so that's that's the first really important step. The next Thing that I like to do is again we 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 talk about goals a lot. That's fantastic. What we don't tend to talk about as much is expectations. Um, and I'm a big believer in in language and and how we use different types of words and language to set ourselves up for success. And talking about expectations is a is a big piece of that. So not only do we want to talk about our goals, right? Do we want to we want to run a marathon? That's fantastic what are our expectations around that marathon, right? Do we expect, and then more specifically, what are our expectations as we build up to, to that outcome? So do we expect to um, find a balanced approach to our training that allows us to um, still execute in other areas of our lives? I would say most people would like to accomplish that. Uh, is our expectation that we're able to find a balanced approach to uh, to our fueling strategies and to our diet Uh, outside of of training. Um, Certainly, as you know, that's pivotal uh, or critical. So talking about expectations and wrapping them around um, how we're going to use those to execute um, our training and also how we're going to use them to define success along the way. So again, there's a big mental piece here because we're laying the groundwork for whether or not we're going to be, um, uh, we're going to be Uh, reach our our expectations, or we're going to meet our expectations, um, and if we're going to fall short of them. So we've defined what success looks like. um, And to your point about hitting the wall at the 20 mile mark in a marathon, which is like the classic, you know, that's where Mm -hmm. most people, uh, so many of us who have ran marathons have had that experience, many of us multiple, multiple times. If we can get ahead of that and define our expectations around that experience, then it keeps us from being surprised when we have those experiences, right? So, we almost want to kind of map out um, what our expectations are on race day, right? And one of those expectations maybe should be, um, okay, you know, between 20 and 22 miles, it's probably going to get pretty dark, right? How are we going to handle that? What can we do in our training that's going to help us prepare for that? Um And so, so much of it, again, is about using the right language and then getting out in front of it. You know, I think a lot of athletes who are unable to reach their goals, um, it's because they didn't have the tools in place to know how to navigate that experience when it happened to them. So they got derailed. They let it, um, uh, you know, get in their way or or pull them, uh, you know, away from their goals and um, and they weren't quite sure how to get back on track because they hadn't thought through kind of a more nuanced view of, of what it's actually going to look and feel like to do something that's really hard. You know, and again, that's it doesn't matter if it's a marathon or a walk around the block. Right. That's it, it, You can still approach this the same way. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's the big that's the two big things for me. I really like to define the expectation piece, use that language that's appropriate. Um, and a little more nuance and then i really like to work to def- to step back from those outcome based goals and think about process and performance goals as well um so that we can have a really clear as much as we can things change but you know as much as we can have a clear view of uh of what that actually is going to look like um and, and how we're going to define success along the way
0: yeah and i definitely self corrected in my second marathon cuz i knew that that was going to happen and i had to think ahead and say okay I have to keep a positive mindset when that does happen. So in that, I think about when you're working with people, do you give them exercises to do during their training so that they can feel better or uh, have a more positive mindset on race day?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, mental skills training is is really important. Um, you know, a lot of that does depend on the athlete. Some athletes are more... Um, you know, maybe more adept or more um, able to to you know to to reach out and to have you know a mental skills coach or um, you know or a therapist, um, and that's something that you know as a coach I'm you know fully supportive of. I think it's all about kind of putting a team in place. I mean, you know, people like yourself, right? Like, I'm not a dietitian. Um, I think it's important. So that's, you know, in my mind, that, you know, that's a part of the team, right? Your physical therapist. Maybe it's your, you know, psychotherapist or a mental skills coach from a you know sports psychologist perspective. But that being said, if that's not um, if that's not part of an athlete's team, there's still lots of ways that um that we can help that athlete um Try to not be derailed when when these things inevitably happen, right? And and um, it's it's really as you know it's not if but when, right? Because there's you know there's no it's not a really the trajectory is not really smooth and clean, you know, all the way up and out till we get to our goal. There's lots of peaks and valleys and and all kinds of disruptions in the way. So the way I think about it, at a very kind of basic level, is that every every training is really at its core a series of opportunities to to amass experiences that bolster your skills for for your outcome-based goal, right? So you go out for a long run. Um, Yeah, there's a fitness component. There's, you know, volume is an important component of a periodized training program. But really what we're doing is we're providing opportunity for you to check some boxes, Right. I went out for a 16 miler. What happened? How does that, you know, how do I need to tweak my fueling strategy? Uh, my legs really started to hurt when I hit the half marathon mark. How did I handle that? If I didn't handle it well, what do I need to do to make that better the next time? So we want to provide the opportunities so that you can have, you know, we don't want to do the race before the race, so to speak, but really there's a cumulative component to every you know, dose or bout of training really should be, uh, there should be some takeaways and, you know, and I tell athletes all the time, what I'd really like to do is that if we're doing it correctly, when you arrive at race day and you're moving through that event or that goal or that objective that we have, that we've done enough training and provided enough opportunities so that you're able to adapt confidently, um, on the fly. Right when this thing when you, when you when you know you receive some input, um, maybe that's from your body, maybe it's from the course. Right, you're in, you're on a hill and it's it's hard, um, it's hot, it's windy, it's cold, um, whatever it is. We've done enough and provided enough opportunities so that you know how you can adapt um, and feel confident in that decision. And that's 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 almost all mental, right? Because what you're really doing there is you're working through that in your mind to convince your body, um, that, that this is the right course of action, right. That speeding up is appropriate, slowing down, taking in, uh, some hydration, nutrition, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, so that, I think that's, you know, again, at a very kind of without needing lots of extra tools, that really is what training does. And that's why too, we need, we need some runway, you know, that's why it's important that we give ourselves time to build into these experiences. Um, I think that's also why, um, you see a lot of athletes get into trouble as they, you know, they only give themselves maybe, you know, 12 weeks or 16 weeks or something to, to build into an aggressive goal. and really want time to, to fail, and we want time to learn from that failure um, and adapt it to our specific needs and then go back out there and try it again. Um, and again, I mean, the side effect of that is fitness, but really at its core, that's, that's really your mental and emotional training is, you know, kind of stumbling uh, in training, adapting, learning, working with your coach to figure out what that adaptation looks like and then reapply it to, uh, to you know, your next kind of round or dose of, of training.
0: So much of what you're saying relates to the nutrition realm because it's exactly kind of what I tell clients. I I say something that makes them kind of almost roll their eyes at me. But I always say like, it's not about the food. It's about the behavior. Like we're trying to plan ahead so that something you don't, you know, you don't overeat at some point, or you don't do some emotional eating. Like you just have to know that those triggers are there for you. And we plan ahead with the food. And that's essentially what I'm hearing you kind of say as well. It's, you kind of have to think ahead of what's going to happen at this point and, and have, you know, build up the mental fortitude for that. So that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it is, it's exactly the same as that, you know, what we're trying to do is, I mean, to use the analogy I used earlier, I mean, it's kind of this toolbox, right? Like we're trying to, you know, with you and your clients and, and, you know, in this, in this space, we're trying to understand what these triggers are, um, how an individual responds and reacts to certain, you know, stimulus um, and then give them the tools to to understand how to navigate that on their own. So it's not about like you said, it's not about the food and then really on my end like it's it's not about the, you know, to a, to a certain extent it's not about the specific workout. Um it's about the cumulative impact of how we um how we navigate all of these scenarios and and all of the external stuff to figure out what works works best for that athlete so they can show up and navigate on you know, and feel confident to navigate those experiences that they're going to have on race day.
0: And we talk a lot about race day, but just for athletes who are training constantly, and like you talked about before, you want athletes to have a long career and be able to train throughout their life. Do you ever find that they deal with burnout, and and how do you help them get through that?
1: Yeah, um, they do. I mean, burnout is as a coach, it's the thing that I am most um cognizant of it's the thing that i probably work the hardest to avoid um because you know the the, the kind of adage is is you know it's burnout is is coming for you right and so it, it, you know maybe it's not this season maybe it's not next season but if you do enough it will happen so what we have to do is we have to work to position ourselves there has to be a you know a barrier <laughs> between us and burnout um because it's it's probably just around the corner for all of us right now many of us if we if we approach training uh, in a way that is appropriate for us in our lives we hopefully won't ever have to experience it but it's it's close right if we just push a little further if we just turn a blind eye to recovery or to external stress or relationships in our lives or our nutrition, if we just, you know, if we lose sight of that for a second, it could be right there, right? That could be the, the thing. So, yeah, to help athletes navigate that, um, for me, it's all about balance. Um, I mean, we've talked, like you said, we've talked about races. Um, that being said, I mean, I've used that as an example. I am a huge advocate of low-quality racing or low-quantity racing, Um I don't think you have to do a lot of races. I, and, and to that end, I don't think racing, quote unquote, uh, you know, defines an athlete. You also don't have to race at all. I mean, you've heard that I've used racing interchangeably with event or outcome or objective. Um, you don't have to. So we don't have to race. Um, and that might really be the answer for many athletes and help them uh, avoid burnout. You know, if we can remove the pressure of racing if it's not adding value to that athlete's life, um, if it's not adding value to that athlete's training experience, if it's not helping to bolster that athlete's athletic identity, take it away. Right. I mean, we we so often think that that's the only way to approach athleticism. Um, it's, it's certainly not. Um, it, it, it is for a lot of athletes, but, um, and then balance for sure. I mean, it's so important to understand and look at athleticism and the training piece uh, or more specifically the prescriptive piece of training um, on a very, very individualized basis. You know, and I think for me, the biggest thing that I can do as a coach to help athletes avoid burnout is to listen and just understand the commitment that it takes to to push our bodies and and work to reach our full potential, and when we're doing that, you know, I always I say to my athletes, I say to the coaching team that I work with, say, you know, an athlete's energy um, is a finite resource, and we our biggest responsibility as coaches is to use that resource wisely. So when it's time to To push hard when it's, you know, when it's when it's required of us, we need to know when to ask for that. And then when it's not, we need to know how to pull back. And we need to know how to infuse space and balance um, into that athlete's life so that it feels sustainable. And that's why, you know, for us, athletes work with us um, year round, because we help them navigate not just the build up to a race, but how we integrate their athleticism into their lives. Um, and that is really, you know, probably the biggest thing that, that we can do, or I can do as coach as a coach is to just listen and understand how to use that athlete's time wisely. Um, and, and when it's not, if it's not needed at kind of the fullest capacity, uh, I don't ask for it, you know, and that really helps, maintain sustainability and maintain this long-term kind of growth-oriented mindset when it comes to to athleticism.
0: I like that approach a lot because I feel like regardless of the type of athlete you are, if you're competitive or just recreational, we're so tied to racing or trying to beat our own time or setting a new PR and you don't always necessarily have to do that. It's kind of like, what, why you do it? What is your reason for doing that? Sometimes there's not really even a good reason there. So do you ever tell people maybe just take a break, stop with the watch. Don't pay attention to your time. Don't pay attention to your pace. Is that something that you would ever recommend?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, the, it's good to be competitive um, if that's something that drives you, right? If that's an intrinsic, motivator for you um uh or even extrinsic it's okay to be externally motivated by competition but it has to ebb and flow i mean to keep to your point like to keep that just heightened sense of competition or that every run or ride has to be a pr that i have to beat my time you know per, you know each consecutive workout has to be better than the last that to our last point that's probably the biggest um uh cont- you know contributor to to burnout you know just this like con- because you just you never allow yourself to just enjoy your fitness um everything has to be outcome driven um and that's not the way the body works you know physiologically there has to be we have to pull back so that we can go forward um so so yeah i do i mean with with my athletes and you know our athletes within the coaching group um Space absolutely. You know, you worked hard, put in a big effort. Take some time away, you know. And, and and I'm a big believer in flexible days. I mean, there's lots of ways to position those opportunities, but you know, within the context of like a training plan, it could be as easy as you know, on a Saturday instead of typically looking at your training plan and executing what's on that plan. Um, just putting in something like. Wake up and do what feels best, right? Allow yourself the opportunity to check in with your body and just understand what what that looks like for the day. And it doesn't have to be exercise, right? It could be, um, I mean, one, it could just be, you know, relaxing on the couch with your family or friends or whatever. Uh, It could be a walk, which is, you know, which is moderate exercise. Um, It could be less volume than you typically do. I mean, it could be anything. And so I like to infuse opportunities for flexibility because I think as athletes and so often athletes are myself included, you know, tend to be, you know, very type a, so we like that plan. We like that structure, but that also wears us down. There's a cost to that, um, to that mindset year round. And so we need to, when the time is right, be able to understand how to adapt and know what our bodies need on that day. There's a certain, certainly kind of attunement there, that is important, right? We shouldn't live and die by the watch and the segments and the, we need to just know how to, how to just do what feels best and, and be okay with how that shakes out. Um, and, and that's fine too. You know, it's not one session does not make or break our fitness or our trajectory.
0: In talking to experts like you, I think two of the main things I've learned is one is the importance of strength training, which is a whole nother topic, but then two <laughs> is, um, recovery and easy, ru- I'm, I keep saying runs cause that's what I do, but, uh, you easy workouts and how important that is. Cause I think people, we tend to get intense and we want to follow a training plan and we don't necessarily give ourselves those easy workouts. So I love that tip of just letting yourself do what you feel that one day a week, because, People are trying to avoid injuries. We all want to avoid injuries, which is, leads to my next question. When you have athletes who are suffering from an injury and they have to take a long period of time off, do you give them any advice for the mental side of that, how to deal with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's such a disruptive experience for an athlete, I think, you know, and unfortunately, it's such a big part of. Um, such a big part of the athlete experience. Um, you know, if you push yourself, um, the odds of your body, you know, kind of rebelling are, are pretty good. Um, and so it's something that most people, even if, I mean, hopefully it's mild, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, these classic sports related, you know, endurance sports related injuries, um, uh, whether it be, you know, hip knee, um, instability, poor, you know, posterior chain activation, um, you know, those are relatively easily worked through, but it still inhibits our ability to execute in a way that we would like uh, it in, it inhibits our enjoyment um, of, of the sport. And so when that happens um, it's, it's a big, it's a big hit um, and I'm glad you brought up the, the mental piece. Cause I think again, like I said, with the kind of, you know, like we were talking about with the training component and the mental, emotional, aspect being so important. It's really the same with the injury piece is that we, we tackle the, when we get injured, we go see a doctor, physical therapist, you know, acupuncture, massage, therapy, whatever, you know, any and all of those things. Um, so we, we, we approach it from a body first perspective, um, first. And, and that's good. We need to come up with a solution. We need experts around us to help us figure out what the course of action is. But then we just, you know, we so often we we then just get to the work. Classic athlete, right? We get to the prescriptive piece. We say, okay, this is my new workout, right? I'm doing this mobility work. I'm doing this my PT exercises. I'm doing my stretching. I'm doing whatever. Um, what we and then what we push down a lot of times is how that's really negatively impacted our identity as athletes, right? We we have Um, athletes have some of the strongest kind of um, identity in terms of, you know, how we allow uh, our sport to define us, right? If you ask most athletes, you know, hey, what do you, you know, who are you, what do you do? You know, I'm a runner, I'm a cyclist, I'm a triathlete, right? That's what they lead with. Um, So it's very, very strong. Um, And when we can't do that at the same capacity that we used to, pre-injury, it's really impactful. So the mental piece is, is super important. It's something that when athletes are injured, I do, once we have a diagnosis, once we, you know, have talked to professionals and and understood what's going on, we get immediately to the mental component. Um, And we talk about that identity. I think one of the best tools uh, that athletes can utilize is to shift um, to understand that, 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 that athletic identity is, is, is more fluid. And so, so you're not just an athlete if you are doing hard workouts or, uh, running, you know, 60 miles a week, you're an athlete if you're dedicated to, to, you know, consistent movement. And so if we kind of channel that energy in that way, we can say, oh, well, you know, maybe you can't run right now, or maybe you can't ride your bike or do strength work or whatever. But let's take that same energy and let's put it into this recovery work, right? Let's put it into um, uh, these exercises that you need to be doing. Let's put it into getting more sleep. Let's put it into your diet. And all these things that we didn't have maybe time or energy to focus on as much as we would have liked when we were doing our primary discipline um, at, at kind of full capacity, Let's let's channel that in energy and and do these other things and treat them with the same weight or give them the same weight that your primary discipline has or had. Um, and then that's that's a really productive way to to kind of weather that storm because you just you know we need an outlet as athletes. We need to identify with being productive and kind of moving the needle, so to speak. Um, but but if it can't be, you know in our primary discipline, we can channel that elsewhere. and that's that's how I like to approach it. And that's a very actionable, you know, we can do that today, right? Because injury, also the problem with injury or the frustrating thing with injury is it takes a long time, typically, right? We say, all right, I got this thing going on, you know, eight weeks, twelve weeks, four you know, even if it's a short period of time, usually it's you know three to four weeks, which is a which is a long time in an athlete's mind. So, it helps us see that runway more clearly. Um, I do like to tie that into some of those process and performance goals, like I talked about earlier. So we shift those goals right now. How do we define success? Okay, success is defined by doing your uh, physical therapy movements five times a week. Right, you're going to do them in the morning. Um, you know, and we you know map out what that needs to look like, so that when we do do those things, we Um, we feel successful, right? We feel like we've accomplished a goal. So it's also about reframing how we define success. Um, And then before you know it, hopefully you've weathered the storm, you're feeling good, you're on the other side of it, and you didn't feel like you wasted, quote unquote, you know, wasted eight weeks or something because you weren't doing the thing that you typically identify as the most productive thing you do as an athlete.
0: Yeah. And hopefully you've weathered that storm and maybe you have a new skill or new strength or something that you didn't have before. I know that that happened to me. I sprained my ankle about six months ago and it was just a stupid thing. I was running and I twisted it on a curb and I had to go to PT and I couldn't run. And that is actually when I kind of learned the value of strength training. I always did it, but not enough. And -hmm. it was when I was in physical therapy that they really, really hammered that in. And I took that time to really become more adapt at physical, th- um, at strength training. And now I incorporate it more and I still do the ankle exercises. And I really kind of almost think of spraining my ankle as something good that happened to me. <laughs> Although yeah. it didn't seem like it at the time.
1: Right. No, you're spot on. I, I mean, that's, that's a, that's such a great experience you had. And I think that that happens a lot. And I, and again, I think that's to, to your credit that that's, you know, when you shifted that energy to understand, like, Okay, you know, this is the thing that's if I want to get back to running, I got to put my energy into this thing. And it really does. It, it helps you um, uh, because, you're, because you're having to focus on other things. It, it so often does have that outcome that you have, which is it allows you to see the benefits of these things that you otherwise you know, pre-injury maybe weren't giving the appropriate weight to, or, you know, you didn't feel like they were maybe as the highest and best use of your time. So you kind of rushed through them or you did them intermittently or, you know, and, and strength training is a great example of that. Um, uh, you know, stretching or more specifically like activation and mobility work, um, ups cool downs, um, uh, you know, nutrition is, is typically an area that, that that shines when we have more time. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're a better athlete on the other side of it because you've, you've, you've realized that you can feel better when you divert some of your energy to these things that, um, maybe have been a little lower, you know, ranked, but, but you, but you understand the value. And so. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad that's such a when that happens, that's really best case. Um, So I'm glad (laughs) that happened to you because it, you know, it's 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 challenging. It you know, it really is hard to lean into that, but it um, it can be a really really productive time if we just understand its value. You know, if we look at it through the through the right lens.
0: Yeah, and I think also regardless of how the injury happens, whether it's an accident or it's overuse, you have to think about why did this happen and is there something I can do to make this not happen in the future and kind of change your habits in a way, which is the way I looked at it. So, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. I have one last question. So you've talked so much about kind of mental fortitude and endurance sports. How do you take some of these tips and just imply them to your everyday life?
1: Yeah. I, I first and for, you know, my big, um, if I had a soapbox, um, you do you know, right my, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I say, it, I got a tongue in cheek, I guess. I, I, I can't help but not have a soapbox given what I do, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I think for me, there's, there's such intrinsic value. I'm such a believer in the value that, you know, that, that athleticism brings to, to our lives, over and above or outside of fitness, you know. I think that that kind of dedication to consistent movement. I think the commitment that it takes to be an athlete, meaning, you know you you have to you have to set up time for yourself. You, you have to prioritize your training. Um, you have to understand how that is going to fit into your life. Um, and then when we do those things, when we take those steps that are necessary to, to allow us to be athletes, to, to, you know, to, to free up the time, the energy, the, you know, commitment from those, those around us to, to, to make that space for ourselves. It can't help, but, but positively impact other areas of your life. Right. So if you are being um, if you're being diligent about how you prioritize your training time, It only stands to reason that you're going to be um, you're going to you're going to prioritize things more effectively in your career. You're going to be more clear uh, on your core values, on your objectives, what you want to accomplish, because you know those things in the in your you know in the athletic space, right? You have a very clear understanding of what you want to accomplish, what you're working towards, and so I think using athleticism as a lens through which we can see. how we want to, or, or the success that we hope to have in other areas of our lives. And I'm not talking about success in terms of like, you know, promotion or, or financial, although it very well could be those things. I think there's tremendous value in in that realm as well. But, you know, just in our relationships, how we prioritize our time, how we um, utilize our energy towards things that are productive. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think again, for me, um, and specific to your question, um, it's I see the value of athleticism um, over and above just the fitness piece. And like I said earlier, fitness is, in my mind, it's a really fantastic byproduct of all the other things that that being an athlete provides for us. And one of those things is um, the mental, emotional skills and competency and strength to, um, to use in other areas of our lives. Um, and I see it play out daily with athletes that we work with. It's a, you know, this, this thing allows me to see other areas of, our life, of my life more clearly. Um, I'm a better partner. I'm a better parent. I'm a better employee or employer. Um, because this this piece of me is grounded, right? And I, and I'm centered around this commitment to myself and my full potential, um, and feeling strong and confident in my body, um, and comfortable in my body. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, again, over and above fitness, which is, which is great. It's, it's, it's awesome to feel fit. But that athleticism and that athletic identity allows us to, to, I think, see more clearly and realize our full potential in other areas of our lives. Um, And yeah, that's physical, mental, emotional. Um, So that for me is the real value. You know, I I mean, of course I'm biased. You know, I see things through the lens of athleticism because that's what I do. But like I said, I see it play out day after day that, you know, that commitment while, it is an inherently selfish endeavor. Um, It positively impacts everything else we do in our lives. Right. And that's our relationships. That's how we treat other people. Um, If we treat ourselves good, you know, then we, we treat, we tend to treat others, you know, well, (laughs) good as well. Um, So uh, yeah. So that's, you know, for me, that's kind of where that mental piece comes in is like um, it almost can't help, but, Positively impact other areas of your life, and of course, that's you know one of those uh, one of those zones is uh, is the mental component.
0: Well, I feel more motivated now, <laughs> and I feel like I, I, your words are going to be in my brain tomorrow during my workout, which is exactly why you're a coach. So <laughs> I <laughs> appreciate you sharing all this, and I'm sure everyone's going to find it super motivating. And where can people find more if they want to work with you, listen to you, find you on social?
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm, uh, you can find us at thomasendurancecoaching.com. Um, that's where you can reach out to our coaching team. Um, we offer, uh, always offer free consultations, uh, introductory calls with any of our coaching staff. If anyone's interested in, uh, talking more about any things we talked about or, you know, how kind of building a, a coaching team around them can help them be more successful um, and then, yeah, on social, um, we're, uh, Instagram, uh, Thomas endurance, coaching, uh, Facebook, same thing. Uh, Twitter, we're at, uh, endurance underscore coach. Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we're always available and, uh, this is what we're passionate about. And, uh, we've got a team of, uh, fantastic folks in place to help athletes no matter what they want to accomplish. So, um, yeah, encourage anyone to reach out and, um yeah, reach out via the via the website or uh, or social media, uh, our blog, or we're we're all over the place. So uh hopefully hopefully we're pretty easy to get a hold of.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And your podcast is endurance minded, yes?
1: It is, yep. Yeah. So yeah, lots of what we talked about today. Um, endurance minded, uh, it's available everywhere you get your podcasts. Um and we are on our second season. Um, and has some uh, some fantastic guests coming up it's a mix of uh, some commentary from uh, from listener submitted questions which i lead and then uh, interviews uh, very similar to uh, to what you and i are doing just conversational um, good um, insightful uh, interviews and, and conversations with thought leaders coaches exercise physiologists business leaders and kind of everything in between so yeah um, yeah, the exciting project. And we're excited to, to keep it going.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Natalie. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleets or visit my website at greenleets.com.